Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 195th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. I've been busy. Uh, run, a, run a campground in Memorial Day is right around the corner, and that is the biggest camping weekend of the year. So I've been busy. It's a beautiful campground. Thank you. Um, what do uh, what do people like to do on Memorial Day at the old campground? Honestly, they don't come to the campground to be at the campground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a car show in Springfield every Memorial Day. So folks that are attending that from out of town that have RVs come stay with us. And we get some families that are just on vacation or whatever. It's been really rainy recently. Yeah. It's, that's throwing a damper on things, literally. It is dampening things. <laughs> but the sun's going to come out tomorrow through the weekend, dry Dried everything up. up. We've got the pool open, ready to go. It's pool season. That time of year. Uh, Kyle, not a lot of news this week. I'll be honest with you. Were you aware of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get a Mizzou basketball commitment just today, and we actually have a patreon suggested topic we're gonna it's officially been two months of coach dennis gates uh being the new mizzou basketball coach so uh ryan uh suggested to us on discord that we kind of look back at previous mizzou basketball coaches and talk about their hirings how we felt about them sort of the general vibe around the program with uh the different coaches that we can remember and just kind of compare and contrast that with Coach Gates' first two months. That sounds pretty fun. Um, before we do any of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, leave us a review on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. And uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. And actually, um, we have another Patreon question from Tristan. This is completely unrelated to sports. Well, it's 5% related to sports. Um, So skip ahead if you don't care about food specifically. This is a food that you eat, you know, at Super Bowl time, watching football especially. Chicken wings. And there's a a debate, you know, always. Boneless, bone-in. How hot can you go? Do you like a honey barbecue? Do you like another weird flavor? Or do you just like buffalo wings? So Tristan wants to know our opinion on that. Well, um, I don't know. I feel like this is something you know I've been a little embarrassed about. That I really, you know, I I understand the complaints. I understand the the shade that's thrown towards boneless wings uh, or nuggets, as some like to say. But uh, man, they're tasty. They're really, really good. I now, love boneless wings. Now I got to stop you right nuggets. there. Boneless wings and nuggets are not the same thing. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> would you agree with that? I feel like that's like a uh, that, that's yeah. like a like a diss, you know, that uh, those those bone in folks like to try and make us feel bad, call them nuggets. So yeah. you, you think they're different enough that they are yeah, distinguished yeah, yeah. separately? Uh, I think so. Okay. Well, I still like bone in too. Okay. It's just like a little a little more like you don't like, like you don't like to get your hands dirty. A little more labor intensive sure if i'm just like ready to just dive in then boneless is like it's good okay what about you 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 like them hot though yes okay so uh that's where i can make up for a little 
embarrassment. I I like really hot stuff in general, like spicy stuff, spicy mm. sauce, spicy everything. So yeah, yeah um, I mean, I do like a good honey barbecue, but sure. like a spicy uh, is my favorite. Yeah, we might we should do like a hot wing challenge mm-hmm. I was on, say that. on air that, yeah absolutely uh really really test actually how hot do i do i really think yeah. i can go okay that's a good idea patreon exclusive content we eat incredibly hot hot wings and then try to do an actual segment Ooh, okay. yeah. sounds like a little like rip that. off of hot ones but i'm down that's well, fine yeah. oh we just thought of it right here i don't that's know true. what you're talking about <laughs> true uh <clears throat> producer cameron what's your preference uh if i have the choice i'm gonna go boneless uh just lather it in as much sauce as possible. Like okay. the more the better. I don't really have a preference on flavor. I like trying a bunch of different ones. Um, they call that they call that wet. Mm, yeah, get them wet. Yep, 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 yep. I'm not a fan of like the oily sauces. I'd rather have something, something rich. Yep, mm. something that's gonna really stick to my insides. Little, th- little thickness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the sauce. Um, yeah, I have always been a bone in guy. Um. Have you ever had buffalo wings in Buffalo, New York? Yes, I actually have. Wow. The uh, the original uh, buffalo wing yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Legendary. I've been there. It's Just fantastic. The biggest wings you've ever seen wow. in your life. Yeah. Just well, that's the that's where spicy wings really become more difficult. I think it's is bone in because you're like your oh, yeah. lips all are all on the oh, sauce yeah. and oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's easier to go really spicy with boneless because yeah. you can just go right in. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I like bone in. I like to just just really just get every little little particle off of the bone. Um, That's a treat watching you eat buffalo buffalo uh, wings. Oh, oh, I yeah. learned from I don't know how this person's related to me, but I have some family in the Buffalo area, and one of my relatives, he's a pro. He'll take the um, the flat, put the whole thing in his mouth. And then just pull out the bone. It just comes out clean. Yeah. I feel like that's something you see on like cartoons or something. It's yeah, that type of thing. Wow. So that's but impressive. I've practiced that over the years and I can I can get pretty close. Man. Yeah, I like I like getting the sauce under my fingernails. Oh my god, no, it finds mm. like every little if you got like a little cut up under there or something. Oh yeah, it'll make it sting. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch your eyes. No. <laughs> Uh, but in more recent years, I can understand the practicality of the it's boneless. Very, it's very easy. Yeah. Just pop it right mm-hmm. in. Especially, you know, if you're at a get-together or something. Yes. You know, if I'm at home or, you know, in a, in a the more comfort of your home. private setting, I've got uh, all the paper towels I need or, you know, maybe a moist <laughs> towelette, then... Do you, it, like, clean your hands in between wings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I like to just take my time with it. Uh, the problem there is, though, they can, you know, temperature-wise, they cool off. That's no good. So this is very important. You got to leave your comments on this episode about your wing preference. And if uh, you have to call them nuggets, that's fine. I no, understand. You, no, you can't call I'm, them nuggets. I'm already prepared. Well, I don't. Nuggets are a different thing. I'm already prepared. <laughs> for nuggets it. are great. Okay, that's like, uh, you know, uh, some people call the boneless wings tenders. No, they don't. <laughs> It'll happen. I promise. Chicken right. selects. Yeah. Um, and let us know, let us know in the comments, what's the most wings you've eaten in one sitting? I've probably eaten 20. That's, that's decent. Yeah. Well, if you want to suggest any completely random topics for us to discuss publicly, join the discord. 
Yeah, that's all you got to do. And then, uh, you know, it has to be May when there's not much to talk about. That's true. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, we do have a few little news nuggets. Um, <laughs> on the football side of things, Missouri got a commitment from a junior college transfer named L.J. Hewitt. He's a six foot three cornerback with four years of eligibility. He chose Mizzou after visiting Iowa State and Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, physical corner, long arms, definitely some good depth. Um, maybe has a chance to, to uh, earn a, spart- a uh, starting spot, they like to say, down the line a little bit. A couple of years, I think he could uh, de- definitely develop into a nice corner. Yeah, he's got the measurables of, you know, the kind of the prototypical defensive back that Mizzou has been targeting, long arms, good height. Yeah, um, I feel like even a couple of uh, plays in his highlight video, he was maybe like a step behind the wide receiver, but it just didn't matter because sure. his long arms were like just he def- deflected a lot of passes that way. And then we did get some kickoff times for a couple of football games for this upcoming season. The away game at Kansas State will be an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN2. And then the home game against Abilene Christian will also be 11 a.m. That one on SEC Network or Plus or whatever, probably streaming. Yeah, I think the 11 a.m. kickoff time is kind of a proverbial sign of disrespect from the powers that be that decide the kickoff times or you know the television networks or whatever fans definitely take it that way at least yes and uh you know i don't really mind it though it for this particular game you know on the road at kansas state um you know it's on it's on the road so i think that that you give the fans less time to get drunk and rowdy and maybe they're a little more tame at an 11 a.m game i mean it's probably not a huge difference one way or another but yeah i mean if you were like guaranteeing me a mizzou win then yeah let's go sure to their place beat them in prime time on espn2 that would be fantastic but uh you know yeah if we can gain a little edge from maybe a slightly tamer crowd at 11 a.m then we'll take it yeah and you just have to count on the team itself to show up ready to play yeah that's i mean both teams have to wake up early so hopefully uh hopefully mizzou's ready that that's that's a big game there's there's some there's some swing games this season where it's flip a coin in my opinion that's probably one of them that's like i could see it going either way definitely uh then abilene christian game that's like not that's not very surprising at all Uh, a non-conference game against uh inferior opponent uh getting the 11 a.m kick on sec network plus to be expected that kansas state game is gonna be fun though i mean we're gonna i'm excited we're gonna learn who this team is really quick Mm -hmm. second game of the year hope we win that one we haven't done super well in those like big 12 rematch games in basketball or football i feel like mm-hmm. so this will be an opportunity to reverse that a little bit and and k-state like that i i complain a lot on this podcast so like it seems like we played um oklahoma and oklahoma state in multiple sports you know or multiple times in the same sport since leaving the big 12 and finally playing kansas getting back to playing kansas state um you know i would love to schedule nebraska illinois uh you know in both sports i want to kind of rekindle some of those old rivalries there's no reason not to try to target that in your non-conference schedule because Mm -hmm. 
it's going to have way more fan interest than right. you know for example playing boston college yeah i feel like just like the pride of like random school administrators like get in the way of like a great sporting right. event yeah but i think we are supposed to play illinois but it's several mm-hmm. years away still yeah idea for a future episode craft your dream mizzou football schedule mm. somebody's gonna steal that from us on their podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh now switching over to basketball we got a commitment um do we know right now is this a scholarship being used or is this a walk-on situation i think that's a little up in the air right now um yeah go ahead (laughs) transfer big man from cleveland state mabor majak nice that's what i'm going with there yeah um i think whenever you look at the experience and the highlight video um with all due respect, it seems like a walk-on situation could be in play. But be preferable, in my opinion. Probably preferable. But he's 7-2, and, you know, uh, he isn't Jamarian Sharp, probably, but he still it can, you know, set screens and, and create kind of a defensive challenge for other teams and just by being an enormous presence in the middle of the lane. But, uh, yeah, I can't really imagine that there's like a – clear path to playing time at least initially like this first year no he played two seasons at cleveland state averaged four minutes a game and then five minutes a game in his two seasons there uh yeah in the horizon league yes seven foot two um shot 41 percent from the field which is not good for someone who's that tall um play it up yeah so i mean this is just just begs the question is this how is this any different from axel okongo jordan wilmore this is that for now a third time this time with a new coach who you know a month ago you would think we're not doing this type of stuff anymore how do you answer the fan that's frustrated and thinking wow we're doing this again fun this you know because you can just kind of go we've seen that now this player comes in, they're over seven feet tall. They can't really do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. They transfer. Yeah. Uh, well, if it's if it's a walk-on, then I'll just say I don't care. Then it doesn't matter it, at all. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. If they do use a scholarship for him, then I'm not going to even pretend to try and defend it. I think it. I don't understand it. Um, you know, he's helping out a former player. Yeah. And, and filling a spot with a shot blocking big you know like he's been vocally saying he's trying to go after but i mean this just screams i i struck out on everybody yeah. else yeah it's like a, a massively watered down jamarian sharp that yeah. we thought we were landing two right. or three weeks ago yeah yeah I, I agree it it definitely looks like that and uh you know everybody can't play though you know you have 13 14 guys deep not everybody's going to play meaningful minutes but i think this is not even really one of those situations where it's like well he could play himself into some some meaningful minutes i just don't even see that path right now uh in one game his freshman year he fouled out in six minutes which i don't know if jeremiah toman it's like kind of no room to talk there because you know Obviously, we supported Jeremiah Tillman for four years and saw some well interesting games. A little different uh, skill set. Sure, obviously. But uh, I don't think he ever fouled out in six minutes. Probably not. 
Jordan Wilmore may have had some like moments where he was like on pace for that, but he was never in a game for five minutes. That's true. Because he'd get yanked the second. Yeah. He was in there. Well, like you said, if this is a walk-on situation, don't even worry about it. If it's a scholarship, then we got to hope to upgrade the roster a bit next offseason. That's, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so I apologize if this is a little cynical, but yeah. we're doing a uh, one-on-one <laughs> half court first to 10 wins it's uh mr mr majock mm-hmm. versus jordan wilmore you have the first overall pick who are you selecting i think just for i think i gotta say majock because because he's a current player yes <laughs> i support it <laughs> i'm with you and uh you know there's still there's still upside you know that's they're still upside um are you ready to move on yeah okay uh we've had coach dennis gates what is it witten family basketball head coach dennis gates for two months you just knew that off the, off the top of your head i remembered it nice uh the witten family is paying paying us the big bucks to remember to say that I'm just kidding they're not but if you're out there and you want to we will say it all the time this can be the Witten family podcast <laughs> um overall what are your thoughts first two months of of head coach dennis gates uh, i think it's been great i think um we had a weird start man that first night when those rumors started coming out there were some really credible sources saying things like missouri's targeting dennis gates um i think he really just took things in stride i mean he is confident in himself i know he knows what was said about him online i know he saw the hate i know he saw the doubt and he just went he just did what he needed to do he came in confident just immediately went to work started building the roster um i like him man i think it's been a great start and uh, the the staff has showed um some promise and has good connections and I like what he's done with the roster. I definitely like, I think it's a team that has a chance to be relevant immediately. And I think that's tough to do. Yeah, I feel like it's been, you know, we've had a little dry spell with commitments. And now with this most recent one, it's like, uh, because there was such a gap, you can't just like shuffle this newest commitment in with the ones that people are more excited about. Right. Um, I feel like there was a, a nice little jolt of energy uh, like, I, like you're saying everybody was a lot of people were very vocally against this hire and i mean he's probably the only person we talked about as being a candidate and we didn't talk about him much but he's probably the only one that we talked about that whose most recent team had a lower Kempom rating than this past season's missouri tiger team yeah and that is concerning um, but you have to take into account all of his experience right. and, you know, where he was at Cleveland state and the progress that he had, had shown there. But after, after that kind of insane pessimism in the first 24 to 48 hours, I feel like cooler heads prevailed. And well, first of all, it was obvious that like no Twitter campaign was going to reverse this decision. And uh, then people were able to take a breather, reassess the situation, 
actually look at his experience, what he had to say in his press conference, everything like that. And he turned people around pretty quickly before even putting together this pretty impressive transfer class. Yeah, I may or may not have some screenshots archived somewhere, and they'll probably never see the light of day, but it'll make me chuckle someday, hopefully, of uh, of the meltdown that, that happened the night that uh, news was kind of starting to break. But um, and he hasn't done anything yet, so maybe those True. maybe uh, those screenshots will will look pretty good someday. Well, that's Who knows? what that's what's bad about that situation is if you if you go ahead and be completely negative, then there's a chance yeah. that this coach will fail, and you'll be able to say I knew you'll, it all along. You'll take advantage of the situation to say you were right, yeah, and you'll root you'll almost halfway root against him. Yeah, but if if he's successful, then nobody's going to think about right. that. It's like okay, cool, we've got a. We've got a good basketball team. You really want to focus on these people that right. were negative at the yeah, beginning? Nobody will remember. Um, yeah, if you would have asked me what I thought about how things were going, maybe like the day before the debacle happened with Jamarian Sharp, I probably would have been like even more positive than I was. Because, yeah, the last three weeks have been quiet, a little strange with what happened with Sharp and maybe this kind of strange addition. Like right now in this very specific moment in time, things are a little bit weird. But for the most part, I, I still think that um, he's, he's come in and, and done very well and has showed me that, um, there's a lot of things to be excited about. And, uh, yeah. And one of the most exciting things is the staff that he put together, yeah. uh, you know, headlined by CY young. That's just, that's an incredible get. And the way that young has said, um, you know, this is my guy. Coach Gates is my guy. I would not be doing this for very many other coaches, you know, coming in as an assistant, leaving Florida State. But this is my guy. We're going to build something here. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I don't remember. Well, we'll talk about some of these other head coaches. I don't remember ever being uh, as excited for one of the assistants. Maybe one. <laughs> I think I might know who you're going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think we're off to a good start. Mm-hmm. I'm cautiously optimistic for the next couple seasons i can't wait to see what they do in the high school recruiting side of things obviously they were able to retain aiden shaw um and you know keep a couple of the most important pieces from last year's team and i think there's something to build on um and he's got roster flexibility moving into the next two or three seasons you know he's Mm -hmm. not not stuck with a bunch of underclassmen that he didn't recruit or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think he probably had some difficult conversations with guys that were on the roster last year, but he retained some of the most important pieces. And I think that shows he's willing to, uh, to do what it takes and, um, be strategic about it. And, you know, like I said, a, uh, with, uh, with Kobe Brown and some of the older experienced talent that they've they've added i think they have a chance to be relevant so like uh what could we point to in this first two months that didn't go well so like losing brazil obviously that hurts that hurts um it really seeming like there was a lot of smoke to the sharp transfer um, and then not getting him hurts. I think they were really surprised. I think even the staff was surprised at how things went. Is there anything else that just like kind of there was potential there, but then it just kind of fizzled out? I feel like those two things, either one of those things going Mizzou's way makes me feel 
quite a bit better about yeah. next season. Also, uh, losing out on on Jason Roach, I think hurts as well. The the uh, shooter from uh, Citadel. Yeah, that's one I'm not so sure on, just yeah. because of where he. That's ended not up. as impactful, probably, yeah. but still a, a guy I feel like they wanted and didn't get. Well, and the fact that we're still looking for a shooter, right? Is, the fact that we still have two open scholarships yeah. and we're looking for a shooter, yeah, yeah, makes it hurt worse. Okay, so now let's jump in the time machine and go back to when Conzo Martin was hired as a Mizzou basketball coach. And uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I was actually on a cruise ship uh, on vacation with my wife when this was all happening. And I, you know, judge me, don't judge me. I feel like I'm in a safe space with Mizzou fans here. I was uh, taking time out of my day to go to the cruise ship library where they had a computer with internet, and I was checking for updates on the Mizzou coaching search and then, obviously, uh, any recruits that might be involved in that. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'll get any any judgment from, from anyone that's listening to this podcast about that. I it, mean, overall, it was not a great cruise experience, so uh, I was kind of happy to divert my attention from time to time onto something more fun. Not a cruise guy? Uh, I, that was my first cruise, and mm, um, yeah, not it's my fine. favorite. Yeah, There's other things I'd rather do. I, I'm glad we did it, but... Yeah, didn't you say uh, MPJ like committed well, and you saw that on your little library computer as well, or something oh, yeah. like so, that? Oh yeah. So, so I was checking ESPN on like the little room TV, and I saw scrolling across the bottom, number one uh, prospect in the whatever class, Michael Porter Jr. commits to Missouri. Jeez. And then I raced to the <laughs> library <laughs> to gotta, get. I gotta go to the computer. Get online <laughs> and see what the reactions were. What a time! Yeah. So I, I honestly, looking back, I can't remember how close it was to Conzo being hired that the Porters came along, but I feel like it was like literally maybe the same day that like we, Conzo was hired and we were starting to get information that the Porters wanted to come back. Yeah. So there were like rumblings, you know, you know, Mizzou fans were keeping track of what was going on with Lorenzo Romar in Washington. I think just the previous year they had uh markel foltz had gone through as a one and done number one overall pick and they had wasn't left it wasn't a whole lot left right on their current roster right but they had um mpj and jante coming in uh both were committed to washington i don't think jante was going like set to reclassify at that point i think he was still going to play a senior year of high school but uh then it was like surely Washington won't fire Romar with these guys coming in. Yeah, and they did. And they, I remember the uh, the press conference. Yeah, uh, and obviously Michael Porter Senior was on staff. Yep, I maybe could be misremembering because it was just pandemonium. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like that may have all happened in one day. <laughs> like in the morning, there's it some rumors. Felt like it. There were some rumors that uh, Romar's. Uh, job security may not be mm-hmm. super uh strong the porters would probably come back to missouri if that happened the, literally by noon i think Conzo had been announced and then romar was maybe fired that afternoon yeah i don't know if it was all that day but it was all within probably 48 hours yeah. and i remember i did not get anything done <laughs> at work because i was just absolutely glued to what was going on 
So Conzo was the head coach. I was honestly pretty thrilled with that hire at the time. I remember thinking specifically, um, I'm glad we got him and not Illinois. Yep. And I remember thinking Illinois can have Brad, Brad Underwood. I don't, that's fine. Um, no, maybe I was incorrect in that assessment, but, uh, and then Conzo bringing in the Porters was just, I mean, yeah, I, I said most exciting assistant hire, uh, maybe Michael Porter senior, maybe tops that at least as far as excitement at the time, cause it meant, uh, two five-star players were coming along with them. Uh, but that was just, there's, n- there's no way to top that as far as like a Mizzou fan in that moment, seeing right. that all come together. I wouldn't expect any coaching hire to have that level of excitement ever again. Yeah. I mean, looking back to that coaching search, um, you know, I liked Conzo. I obviously lived in Springfield my whole life. So I watched him coach Missouri state for three years and was really good here. And, you know, they won the Valley one of those years. And so, you know, I, I liked Conzo. Um, what's ironic about that situation was, you know, I wanted Tom Crean. He was probably like one of my top candidates mm. that time around. And, but yeah, when it came down to why, and this is kind of my personal theory that I don't think anybody really may know this for sure, but I kind of feel like Missouri was in a bidding war with somebody for Conzo because that's why we ended up with just that unbelievably terrible contract. This that ironclad contract that we ended up, you know, yeah. it was a nightmare later on. But at the time it was like, if this is what we need to do to keep him away from Illinois, let's do it. Because I didn't, like you said, I didn't want Illinois to have him because I thought, I thought of Conzo as an electric recruiter and which is also kind of ironic and, I did not want Illinois to to have him, and right. so I was I was happy that we that we had him. Yeah, uh, in my mind, he would have just cleaned up St. Louis recruiting for Illinois That's, if it had gone that way. Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, in hindsight, it seems really silly. Some but, of the stuff. Uh, within the first two months, if we're extending it out a little bit, he brought in. I, I know I don't have the timeline exactly right probably but bringing in tillman uh blake harris um uh jalen knox visited is that his name jalen knox is a former football player who am i talking about uh went to kentucky he was a five-star his last name is knox oh kevin knox kevin knox yes uh he visited (laughs) campus and was like maybe we're gonna get two five-star like forwards yeah which he ended up being great at Kentucky, at Kentucky yeah. yeah um yeah that that was such a whirlwind and it, it I don't know I feel like I if you're out there if you're listening to this and you were like I was negative on the Conzo hire and if you had a decent reason for it with all of that excitement I'd like to hear it because yeah like an unbiased retrospect yeah, yeah. like if you were like I kind of always thought this thing and it ended up being true yeah let us know but um I don't. I feel like even someone who's lukewarm on the on Conzo Martin being the coach. Now you can maybe say it wouldn't have mattered. They would have the Porters would have come back to Missouri for just about any coach not named Kim Anderson, with Romar getting fired at Washington. You're probably right. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but overall, I would say clearly excitement, optimism, for me personally, around the Conzo Martin hire was 
greater than now with the Gates hire, even though I like it. Yeah, I think he probably would have been my third or fourth um, realistic pick whenever they hired him. But absolutely, by the, when, it, when it was official, I was I was thrilled. Yeah. All right, so taking it back a little bit further, uh, before Conzo Martin was hired, uh, there was a Mizzou basketball coach by the name of Kim Anderson. And I legitimately forgot about him when I was like making my little list of coaching hires that I remember. I literally just skipped him and wrote down Frank Haith. Like in my mind, it goes from Frank Haith to Conzo Martin. It's very real, unfortunately. It yeah, happened. It, it happened. And the ramifications are still being felt to this day. Um, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. Um, so Kim Anderson was coming over from uh, D2, had just come off the back of a national championship. Yep. And had been an assistant, had played for Norm Stewart, been an assistant for Norm Stewart. He was a true son through and through. Um, welcome home. Welcome back. However, he had already been passed over for this job multiple times at this point. Yeah. And there was a lot of people that didn't like this hire. And I feel like this was a very specific hire to have stability and a clean program and probably to make some individuals with around the program happy unfortunately this was a, a i believe a mike alden hire mm -hmm. and yeah obviously it it went nowhere but what the were, first two months it wasn't a disaster what were your feelings honestly at Be the honest. time i said it's fine let's give him a shot let's see what he can do uh you know he 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 can coach basketball yeah we know that um, yeah, I, I was, I was with everybody else though, questioning the recruiting, questioning his age, but I thought at least he will have some decent X's and O's and, um, you know, it may not be, we may not be landing big time recruits, but if we can get four year guys that stay in the program, don't have a bunch of transfers, then he can build something. Yeah. I think, um, I probably would put myself somewhere around that as well, where it was like, yeah, this is probably not my first choice. It's not the most exciting hire, but you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to trust the administration and just take a chance here. And he knows the program really well. And what's, I guess, what ended up not being true at all was, I guess I had this idea that, well, at least we have like a pretty high floor. I don't think we'll be terrible but we're not going to, he's not going to win a national championship. We're right. not going to be explosive. We're not going to be great, but, um, at least we probably should be decent. And that of course was horribly untrue. And I guess just what we witnessed was the importance of division one connections and recruiting and how important that is. And I mean, yeah, Kim Anderson could drop some X and o, X's and O's, I guess. But if you don't have the athletes to, compete if you don't know anybody if the players don't like you uh nothing is going to go well and that's that's basically what ended up happening and it was just a nightmare for three straight years and you know um i would say i had a glimmer of hope at the beginning when he hired the coach from hunston prep what's his name do you remember uh rob fulford rob fulford and you know i kind of remembered thinking like 
okay, I can see how this might work. You know, Kim Anderson is going to focus on, on the X's and O's, and this guy will, will bring in the athletes because mm-hmm. he seemed to have connections. Right. But we could just never finish the deal with, you know, a Thomas Bryant or, um, you yeah. know, some There some was a of handful of four- and five-star guys that we got on campus. Yep. And then uh, the in-state recruiting wasn't there either. You right. Know? Uh, during that time, you know, there was a final two of for Jason Tatum between mm-hmm. Mizzou and Duke. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, so they did land some talent in that first off season with, you know, Techie Gil Caesar and um, Naaman uh, Naaman Wright, Wright yeah. Jakeen and Gant. Yeah. Some of those, those guys. Were, those were mostly Frank Haith holdovers. Some two yeah. of them were. Yeah, they were. He was able to have a pretty decent first recruiting class mm-hmm. um, on the back of some of the work that uh, Haith had put in. Right. But then also uh, Fulford as well. And those guys were just expected to do, they they were just needed immediately. And, you know, it's a lot of those guys ended up being really good players later in their careers and probably would have been great at Missouri if they stuck around, but it just wasn't going to work that way. And how things just completely failed from the start, I'm sure a lot of those guys is, a lot of those guys wanted out immediately and yeah. and they they left. Um, I pulled up an article from the Columbia Missourian from April 2014. Um, it's just talking about how there was pe- fans took to Twitter to voice their displeasure, and it also but it also shows some opinions from various uh, sports columnists around the country. Um, the St. Louis Post Dispatch was wrote an article basically saying, "Give him a chance." <laughs> uh, Dana O'Neill for ESPN questioned the school spending. $42,000 on a search firm only to hire Kim Anderson. Um, I always kind of question that no matter who, who the yeah, hire is. Yeah. Yahoo Sports uh, called the hire a calculated risk. And Sporting News said it was the safe route, which I think that's like, yeah, that's how a lot of fans. Well, viewed I, it. I guess that's exactly what made it so strange was it did, it did seem safe and it just ended up being the complete opposite. And I think, uh, honestly, when you kind of look at Dennis Gates, he's almost like the complete opposite, like anti-Kim Anderson, where, yeah, he hasn't coached very long. He hasn't been a head coach super long, doesn't have a ton of experience, but he has a ton of connections yeah. and knows a lot of people. And uh, that was the complete opposite of Kim Anderson. Um, I'm trying to still compartmentalize it to like just the first two months. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just like optimistic but not overly excited and um you know this hire in particular i was trying to convince myself that it that it might work i I don't have to do that very often i can usually just you know buy the hype a little bit but this one i was like you had to jump through some hoops yeah you had to do uh what mental gymnastics to get there then before Cam Anderson, we had Frank Haith. And that was an interesting situation. Okay, so uh, let me, if we're ranking these, I would go Conzo, Gates, Cam Anderson right now. On your excitement level? Yeah. Your uh, and, uh, excitement and optimism, just okay. overall feeling good, the goodness factor. Okay. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. Okay. So, how much do you remember about the hiring of Frank Haith? Um, honestly, I feel like I remember being a little 
disappointed with this hire. Um, was coming from an okay Miami program. I I would this is fairly early on in my like you know really really good like when I was really paying close attention to Mizzou basketball. But I would say I I remember being a little underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I would agree, and especially we were coming off of Mike Anderson, who had had a good career at Mizzou, and the fan base kind of felt like he had done wrong by the fans and the players and everybody by leaving and so there at least for me there was this feeling of like well we can show him and we can show that we're going to go get a good coach and we we can do better than mike anderson he's walking out the door you know kind of leaving a bad taste in people's mouth but we're we can go out and get a coach that's gonna make us forget about mike anderson and I would say that didn't really happen. Happened uh, the first year. Well, the players, yeah, yeah. He, I don't know what he did the first year. He kind of was able to just get out of the way, I think, and just let them do their thing. And they had enough motivation, and they were obviously um, fired up to, especially those seniors, to you know go out on a good note. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they had an incredible year, his first year. But yeah. I'm not really sure how much he was had to do with it. Right. And uh, the first thing that came up after he was hired was the there was uh, allegations against the Miami Athletic Department, and specifically Haith was named in some of the documents and stuff around the booster uh, Nevin Shapiro, who was you know doing stuff under the table, paying players, whatever, making questionable donations and things like that. I don't remember all the details, but. So that was kind of some baggage that was following Haith here, and it was kind of like, okay, um, athletic department, you're just, you knew, you had to have known there was something going on here. Yeah, it didn't really seem like a guy that you would take a risk on if you knew some of those things. Like, you usually would, you would aim a little higher, probably, if you knew you were taking on potential allegations. Exactly. So that's, I think, yeah, that was a little puzzling. And with the with the squad that you had, with the players that you had, you don't want to waste that year. You know, anybody involved with the program had to know, like, we've got some guys that could do something special and they're motivated, but I don't know. I, yeah. I, what a weird time for Mike Anderson to, to leave, honestly. Yeah. But, you I, know, I can't blame him too much. Looking back on it, going home to Arkansas, whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Frank Haith, uh, just kind of a strange, few years there um at missouri but one thing i do feel like he was kind of ahead of his time on was transfers and bringing bringing in talented guys who maybe just whatever reason it didn't work out their their first stop with jabari brown Mm -hmm. and jordan clarkson who was you know coming up a really successful player at a lower level from tulsa um i feel like he was doing that before a lot of other programs were and he was doing some really good high school recruiting as well I mean, he had some solid uh, recruiting classes, guys like Torin Jones, who, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Wes Clark. Yeah. So guys that were solid D1 players, um, not necessarily at Mizzou, but who's the guy that went to Gonzaga? I'm blanking on his name. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good stuff all around. Oh, something we should mention about Kim Anderson. Uh, he was able to get something out of uh, Ryan Rosberg and for uh, half of a season, and uh, Keanu Post just a little bit, you know, when all hope seemed lost. 
anyway, back to Frank Haight. So the allegations and stuff uh, from Miami that followed him was kind of weird. It kind of put a damper on things. And um, that offseason, everybody thought that Matt Painter was coming to Mizzou from Purdue. That was that coaching search where that seemed like a legitimate possibility. And that did not happen. So I think there was just things working against Haith to where the first couple months after his hire, yeah, people were not excited. Yeah, that's a pretty massive drop off. I'm not gonna lie, from Matt Painter to Frank Haith. Yeah, because yeah, I think we really thought Matt Painter was coming, and it sounded like maybe even he thought that he might be coming for at least a short amount of time. Yeah, that's what's always been rumored anyway. Um, so honestly, if I'm trying to really think put myself back in my own shoes from back then i think i was more optimistic and happy with the excited is not the right word but i think i was happier with the kim anderson hire than the frank haith hire and part of it is because we were setting our sights on matt painter honestly as insane as that sounds i think i might agree that i was more comfortable with Kim, An- with Kim Anderson than Frank Haith at the time. And, and, but it wasn't all Frank Haith's fault. Like, at the time, I wasn't even paying that much attention to his resume yeah. because I wasn't thinking about, oh, he was an, uh, an assistant for Rick Barnes at Texas and, you know, that kind of stuff. I was thinking, what's this Miami stuff? I can't believe we didn't get yeah. Painter. This sucks. Yeah, it was just a coming from a mediocre situation with potential allegations. <laughs> Then now I'm really, we're really having to think back here to the hiring of Mike Anderson. And I'll be honest, I don't remember that well. I don't remember my feelings around it. Um, I remember him bringing in, I remember we were going to get this kid from Vanderbilt, uh, his nephew, Damari Carroll, and he was going to be a pretty good player. And then, so, uh, Coming from UAB, he also brought over, in a similar situation to Gates, he brought over JT Tiller, who he was recruiting. I, I, I'm going to get this wrong. I, he was definitely recruiting him to UAB. I don't know if uh, Tiller was like signed or you know, committed to UAB, but he was recruiting Tiller to UAB and then was like, well, come on over to Mizzou. Hit on both of those guys. Exactly. That yeah. couldn't have gone better for him. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I definitely remember most of those years, but I don't know i can remember like you know um, his press conference or or being hired or anything like that i I think we would have been in like middle school and that happens probably and he was having to come in to a weird situation where um yeah you know the the program was not in a great spot there was uh, ncaa violations and things like that and he did a fantastic job of turning all of that around getting some good recruiting classes um and Obviously, when he left, left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. But looking back at it now, I think Mizzou fans in general can appreciate what he did and uh, that Elite Eight run, obviously. Yeah. But I think the time right around his hiring, there was a general feeling of, okay, I mean, UAB, not a heralded program, but, you know, his history with Arkansas um, overshadowed that, I think, and people were excited. And the brand of basketball that he was bringing was going to be fun. Yeah. That's all you got. I second that. 
that elite eight run though that was that was a special time yeah that was really fun those were fun teams and he's the reason phil pressy uh was a tiger yeah i mean just a lot of legendary players i think were played here in that era just Mm -hmm. a lot of guys that you just look back on in a very very fond era of of mizzou basketball in those kind of early uh or i guess the uh right before 2010s yeah excitement though i don't know i think that the the program was in a rough spot so it was like okay we need somebody who knows what they're doing to come in and turn this around and he did it i would say for me personally i wasn't really in a position to necessarily be excited or disappointed so i don't know if i can judge it against these i don't think i can even rank it really i could pretend quinn snyder oh i remember when he was hired it was down to him and billy self and good no i don't remember any of that yeah i have some vague memories of the of games from that era but of course i don't really remember yeah i remember quinn snyder of course being a thing and i remember linus claza he was he was like the first player that i remember paying attention to yeah those are those are pretty early days for us so with all that um Dennis Gates. Yeah, there's always there's number always, two excitement level. There's always hope. There's yeah. always optimism. Um, but you know, I, I definitely think um, I don't know. There, it's, it was a weird time, man. I, it would be interesting to hear other people kind of talk about how they would maybe rank Dennis Gates against some of the coaches that we've hired recently, because not everybody felt optimistic about Dennis Gates when he was first hired, and. Um, you know, and I think that there's some valid concerns. Yeah, some people I would say aren't still aren't that excited. They're seeing a bunch of Horizon League players coming in, and you know, yeah, let's what's see that going to look like? And the you know, we don't have any, we don't have a high school recruiting class to look at yet. So yeah, yeah I mean, still super early. I definitely feel like administration is just making a bet on him, and not necessarily what he's done, but just who he could be yeah. and his potential and. Yeah, I mean that's that is uh, what I would probably say is a calculated risk. Yeah, and um, you know a guy that sh- that everybody in the industry loves and has a lot of connections, but hasn't really truly done it at a high level yet. Yeah, that's risky. Uh, I can completely understand the concern, but but you're setting your, you're setting yourself up for a situation where he could turn the program around in a way that makes him not want to leave oh yeah uh, in a much much higher ceiling than probably anybody we just talked about as far as like how good he could potentially be as a coach yeah that's actually a really good point you're bringing up i would say mike anderson would be i, I would say he definitely has the highest ceiling for what he could do at a division one program uh i would say gates has that and with maybe mike anderson being second mm-hmm. well i mean i think we had really high hopes for conzo too but but was that a conzo thing i don't know or was that just a perfect storm of circumstance yeah, yeah. and you know it took it didn't take long for the recruiting to not be there yeah. and just get rid of all doubt but um yeah i mean it's not like uh if if gates gets mizzou rolling it is Florida State that much better of a job? No. Is uh, Cal, where his alma mater, that mu- a better job? No. So I would say Florida State could be dangerous, but well, just because of what it is under Leonard Hamilton, it's not necessarily his connections. Yeah. 
to but, that to that program. But, sure, sure. But but I mean, it's kind of one of those things where uh, do you even want to be the coach at a school that you're kind of beloved at? You know, I think we've seen that obviously with Kim Anderson and Barry Odom and some of these true sons that have come back, and it just hasn't ended well. And mm-hmm. it's like, do we, as a coach, do you want to go down that road that if, if things don't go well and don't end well, you've maybe tainted your relationship with with that university for maybe the rest of your life you know i don't know it's interesting and maybe some guys would welcome that going back to somewhere where they have a lot of history and some guys probably might say the opposite okay so uh, i just realized that like three years from now if we're returning to this conversation one thing that we will mention is kim english right and i just thought of that as well yeah we'll be we what he does in the next three or four years will we'll compare it inform people's opinions looking back on this time tremendously yep so we'll just have to wait and see i guess yeah i you know hopefully that's kind of fun though is it, it is. not to be like oh, kim english is out there let's obviously everybody's gonna be rooting for him to succeed as a coach and yeah as long as dennis gates is doing well exactly but even if he's not then it's like hmm well, we still have this other option to to try out. I don't know. I think it, it kind of, I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, we will definitely talk about that though. In three or four years, if we, if Dennis Gates was not the move and Kim English may have been the move, I think, yeah, that's going to be another one of those. Just what if, what if things, what if we just went with Kim English? But yeah, it would have been just the third time we were going with a true son though, since 2014 or whatever if you combine the two sports uh, football and basketball so i just feel like it just would have i don't know there's people in the comments section right now there's already comments they're that already, were published that were like typing. yeah they already typed out you know something about kim english you know thinking we weren't going to mention it yeah we mentioned it that's a huge factor though yeah of course we're we're rooting for him of yeah. course all right well hope you liked that little trip down memory lane ryan uh, that was specifically for you so yeah, good enjoy question it. yeah it's fun to reminisce a little bit and show how young we are in the grand scheme of things. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, and Tyler Harsel. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.